Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Hope you're well. So what am I talking about? What is crashing? And I was reading the chat before going live. And actually, let me give him a shout out here because someone hit the nail right on the head. They said, what's crashing? There you go, Jared. Congratulations, Jared. You got it. You might be talking about yields. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The yield on the 10-year treasury down over 10 basis points today, which is a huge move. So we have to study this. We have to connect the dots. We have to look at what's going on with the other markets like oil. Got to look at the two-year treasury. But we also have to pay very close attention to the dollar and what the dollar is doing while yields are crashing. It's very, very important. Let's get right over to CNBC and check this out. I want to go over a chart. And uh, you can see that from the thumbnail, that I wasn't joking. <laughs> that just happened. It's happening today. And uh, we started off around, uh, let's see, where did we open the day? Let me give you some specific numbers. We opened it, well, we closed right around 4.286. So call it 4.29. That's where we closed yesterday. We opened up at 4.25. And now we are down right around 4.18. But we had a low, a daily low of 4.163, 4.163. That's 13 basis points lower than the close last night. I mean, and, and again, for those of you who maybe aren't as familiar with these types of markets as others, or maybe you're new to the channel, you may look at a 13 basis point move and say, oh, yeah, what, I mean, what's the big deal? As percentage terms, that's only... Uh, you know what it's a very low percentage let's say but you got to realize that in the world of the 10 year treasury this is a massive move and and let's zoom out for a moment we have to understand that we are seeing these moves while this supply narrative is very prevalent rightfully so and when i'm talking about the supply narrative i'm talking about the deficits exploding and right now, it is very true. We're running wartime deficits. And in one of my video, one of the whiteboards, I believe, that I did recently, I talked about the comparison with 1940, and we're talking about debt to GDP in the 1940s, when it was very similar to what we saw. But there's a huge difference. In the 1940s, those costs were what I would call one-time costs. That goes back to my entrepreneurial days, where let's just say that you're an entrepreneur and you have to buy a new computer for your business. Okay, that's a one-time cost. You're, you're not going to really have that every single year. You might have it once every five years or so. Or so. But it's, 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 you, you get my point. Where the deficits that we're seeing today or the debt to GDP, that's not a result of one-time costs. That's a result of what I would call recurring costs, meaning you have them every single month. And unfortunately, what we're seeing right now is those costs – and the 10 years going down even as we speak. Uh, but those costs are going to continue to go up and up and up. The deficits ex explode higher. Uh, the overall debt explodes higher. I think we're at $33 trillion right now. So that means the Treasury is going to have to issue more and more and more and more and more and more of these Treasuries. That's the supply side. The supply side's going nuts. It's going parabolic. While at the same time, demand is exceeding that supply and those supply expectations by a greater amount. 
Why? Because the price of the bonds are going up. Obviously, an inverse relationship between the price of the bonds and the yield. So price up, yield down. So this tells us that growth and inflation expectations are plummeting, plummeting going into 2024. And another way of saying that is the market's waving the red flag and saying, yeah, you see that massive financial tsunami that's coming our way? That's going to land likely in 2024. And again, this is not George Gammon's prediction. Well, let's be very, very clear. This is just what the bond market is telling you. I'm just simply interpreting this just to the layman. Now, there's other people that have a different view. And in fact, good buddies of mine. And one of them would be Jim Bianco. So let's check out this video that he just did, a clip from his uh, a recent appearance on CNBC. I hope this is a recent appearance because they're saying related video. Um, but Jim has a much different view than I do. And look, at the end of the day, I'm merely an amateur. Jim is a professional. And I have massive amounts of respect for Jim. Uh, I, I, but I've, I've got to disagree with him here. But let's listen to his argument. Discuss sees a significant rebound ahead in the benchmark 10-year yield. Market forecaster Jim Bianco runs Bianco Research. Jim, great to have you with us. We were just saying how maybe it's all about rates. And if that's the case, then this is bad news for investors who are bullish for long. Um, you're saying 5.5% is where we're headed on the 10-year. Yeah, I was on with you a month ago, and I said, you know, the 10-year is going to 5.5%. And it's been a terrible month for that call. But I'm still there at five and a half percent, say in the first half of 24. And the reason is, I don't think we're gonna have a recession. And I think that the inflation rate is bottoming somewhere around 3%. So if you've got two-ish to three-ish growth in the economy, which is what it's been for the last five quarters and projected to be in the current quarter, and say three on inflation, that's 6% nominal growth. I put a little fudge factor in there and I got five and a half percent on the 10 year note because the 10 year yield should somewhat approximate where nominal growth is. But why? Why? Now, I, I want to be as fair as I possibly can to Jim. And uh, I, I'm going to reiterate, Jim is way smarter than I am, knows a lot more than I do. But uh, and, and also, too, I've done these things not on CNBC, but like on Fox Business and whatnot, where you're live right on the spot. And and sometimes you know, you want to speak as as coherently and as concisely as possible, but sometimes you have to say things so quickly. You you've got to say things that um, are are implying maybe some of the things that you've said in the past. It, it's actually quite challenging, especially because a lot of times with these interviews, they'll tell you that they're going to talk about something, and then as soon as the guy or gal gets on there, they talk about something completely different, <laughs> which I'm totally okay with, and Jim's okay with, but you got to think on your toes, and when you only have 30 seconds to articulate your message, sometimes you can't do it uh, in a way that's very complete. Let's just put it that way. But if I was interviewing Jim and uh, he had this view and we had plenty of time to talk about it, the first thing that I would say is I'd say, Jim, what you're saying is the 10-year treasury is usually going to hover around nominal GDP or nominal growth. And that would be because the long-term interest rates are going to project or predict or be a, a long-term interest rates are going to be a result mostly obviously tons of variables, but the overwhelming variable will be growth and inflation expectations. That's why Jim is saying 
that if we got nominal GDP around 6% or whatever, you got, he's talking about growth inflation expectations. And that's his argument for the 10-year treasury yield being at 5.5%. But my rebuttal to Jim would be, well, Jim, what, what, <laughs> what, forget about what the interest rates are doing in 2024. What are they telling you right now? If you're going to sit here and admit that the 10-year treasury is a result of growth and inflation expectations, and we've got Fed funds at 5.25%, and we've got the 10-year treasury yield tanking. And let's call a spade a spade here. It is tanking. What does that tell you about future growth and inflation expectations? What that's telling you is that we're not going to have 6% nominal <laughs> in 2024. It's telling you we're going to have way a lot lower than that because we're going straight into a recession that you don't think we're going to have. So, you know, not to give Jim a hard time and I don't want to throw him under the bus here. And again, I've got so much respect for him and he's a great dude. And uh, I'd love to have the conversation with him. And at the end of the day, he, he knows a lot more about this stuff than I ever will. But I, I do think that there's a little bit of a, a contradiction there that we're looking at growth and saying, okay, well, in 2024, the yield is going to be a result of those expectations. But now I'm just going to completely ignore what those exact same interest rates are telling me about the growth and in inflation that we're going to have <laughs> uh, next year. So let's get back to the, the clip here. So that means that the economy uh, interest rates should probably bottom out here in the next month or so and continue to move higher. What does it mean for stocks? I heard you guys talking about this earlier. Bottom out. But why have they gone down to begin with? You see, that's what we have to answer. Bottom out. But, but why have they gone down? Look at the supply side, which is something Jim talks about all the time. And if we're going to have, and if, and if it is true that uh, interest rates are going to go up because of growth and inflation expectations, why have they gone down? Why have they gone from 5% like a month ago all the way down to under 4.2? I think the biggest problem stocks have now is there is an alternative. There is an alternative in five and a half to five and a quarter money market funds. Dr. Jeremy Siegel just finished a new edition of his book, uh, Stocks for the Long Run. And he says over the long run, the stock market should over many, many years give you an 8% return. Well, if I could get five, five and a half or so in a money market fund, I'm getting two thirds of that with no risk. So the stock market's really got to do something better than average to get people interested. And all we've seen it do so far this year is get people interested in AI, because if you take the AI stocks out of the S&P or the S&P 493, they're collectively up three and a half percent this year or less than cash. And I think it's not because the economy's bad. I think it's because the competition of higher rates is a problem. So if rates move up in the first half of 24, that hurdle is going to be bigger for the stock market. But let's go back to... Let's just call it the Fisher equation, which is kind of the premise for long-term interest rates being a result of growth and in inflation expectations. If long-term interest rates are going up, that means, even by the definition that Jim is using, that growth and in inflation expectations will continue to go up. Well, if that's true, then why is that bad for the stock market? See? And let's just assume for a moment that... Jim is right that these higher interest rates have a better risk reward. The market sees that these higher interest rates. Well, that means that everyone's going to pile into those treasuries and bring the yield back down. Why? 
because we've got to focus on the risk side of the equation just as much as the reward (laughs) side of the equation, right? And if the risk side of the equation is increasing significantly, then that's going to bring rates down. That's why the rates have come down. We're going back to that original point. You see, so I don't know how we can have an environment where stocks where stocks have a huge headwind because of interest rates going up if you are to concede that interest rates are all about future growth and inflation expectations. Because if interest rates are going up, then growth and inflation expectations are also going up. And even if you want to say, George, the economy is going to be in recession, but it's going to be an inflationary recession. Okay, fine. But that means that inflation, let's say, is 10%. Growth is negative two. So now you're eight. That still means the 10-year treasury is going to be up around six or 7%. You see how how this stuff works? And by the way, that would most likely mean that stocks would have some tailwind. Not that they would for sure go up, but they would have some tailwind, at least in nominal terms. In real terms, they might still go down. So Again, I, I don't want to pick on Jim because he's such a great dude. And I've got massive respect for him. But I, I would push back on, on his argument and his rationale. Now, let me do a screen share because we're going to go over a few more charts. There we go. Okay, cool. Let's go over to the two-year because we want to see how the inversion of the curve is changing as a result of the 10-year treasury yield plummeting today. Uh, Let's just call it down by 10, 15 basis points. We see that the two-year treasury only down about five basis points right now. So that means the inversion is getting worse. It's getting worse. And you guys know from watching these videos that that I believe what, what makes most sense to me is that if we were going to have a no landing or soft landing, that would require an uninversion of the curve, but not just an uninversion of the curve, an uninversion as a result of long-term interest rates going up. So just let's imagine this for a moment, that the Fed keeps rates at 5.25%. Well, if we're going to have a soft or uh, no landing, then the 10-year treasury yield would have to go from 4.2, 4.15, up over Fed funds substantially, because that would be a normal upward sloping yield curve which would be indicative of a healthy economy, one that was not headed straight for a hard landing or a recession. But we see the opposite of that happening. We see the opposite. The curve isn't uninverting. It's getting even more significant. The curve is getting even more extreme. And you know the Fed historically has followed the two-year treasury. And the two-year treasury has got, come down massively like you can see but it has not come down to the degree to which the 10-year treasury has so the yield is getting the 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 delta between the two-year and the treasury is growing it's increasing it's not decreasing which you would expect to happen if we were headed for a hard land or excuse me a soft landing or no landing now let's look at what's happening to the dollar because this is really important as well guys if this move in the 10-year treasury was happening exclusively as a result of the market just predicting what the fed is going to do and quite frankly as you guys know from watching my videos i don't think that has anything to do with it in fact 
I wrote something down yesterday that was an idea that that I want to revisit moving forward on many videos. And it, because the, most people believe that the Fed controls the economy, right? And what I wrote down here is that the in reality, the Fed doesn't control the economy. The Fed simply responds to the economy. The economy doesn't respond to the Fed. Now, I think the Fed can influence it slightly. But we, we've got to ask ourselves, is the tail wagging the dog or the dog wagging the tail? And first and foremost, in my opinion, what's going to matter is going to be the economy. The Fed isn't going to control the economy. The Fed can simply respond to what the economy is doing, right? So that said, I don't think that this uh, dropping, this crashing of the 10-year Treasury yield has anything to do with Fed expectations. I think it has everything to do with what's the signal that it's giving you about the health of the overall economy. Now, I think that if it was exclusively about the Fed, if that were was true, mainstream narrative, you would see the dollar continue to go down. Now, the dollar has gone down. I want to be very, very clear. The dollar's gone from 106 down. Uh, it was at 102. Now, keep in mind, 102 is still very, very high. That's still a strong dollar. But what have we seen it done recently with this 10-year yield crashing? We've actually seen the dollar go up. So if we need to watch this like a hawk going into next week, and especially into 2024, because if we see the yields start to crash throughout the curve, and if we start to see the dollar go up with yields crashing, then you know the probability of the stuff hitting the fan is increasing because that is that is the market saying we want no part of risk whatsoever. We want as much risk off as possible. So we are going into the safest liquid asset, as Snyder always says, treasuries, and we're going into long into the curve because we want as much capital appreciation as we want as much hedge for the long side of our portfolio as possible. And we are going straight into the United States dollar. Not because they think the dollar <laughs> is any fantastic fiat currency. No, because it simply is something that is safe and something that is liquid. And those are always what the marketplaces, uh, th 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 those are always the premium that the market places when we go into a recession a crash, hard landing, whatever you want to call it. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.